Hello, hello and welcome back to Cutting Try Stories. Write copy that feels good. It's the no-fluff copywriting podcast that teaches you to write copy you can feel good about and gets you more clients along the way. I'm your host, Jayati Vora, and I'm here to give you a shot of masala for your writing. A way for business owners like you to write copy your way, in your voice, with practical writing tips you can put into action right away. Let's find your words together. Today I'm speaking with Catherine Stag Macy, a friend and fellow business owner. Kat is an executive coach and mojo wingwoman for mid-career professionals who want to reclaim the spark in their career. She quit her corporate job after 20 years to find more meaningful work, and now she helps other people find meaning in their own careers. Thank you so much for being with us today, Catherine. Thanks for having me. You've been doing your executive coaching business for 10 years. Can you tell us a little bit more about starting your own business? Yeah, I did 20 years in corporate. So I started off as a programmer in Johannesburg in South Africa and then sort of went up through the consulting path for the last sort of last chapter of my corporate career. But I was, um, I was pretty fed up with that, which is kind of part of the work that I do now is like helping people navigate that midlife mid-career crisis and wanted something with more meaning. I'd been chasing kind of money and career for 20 years and that sort of ran dry for me. So that's when I found coach. So I stumbled across coaching and started at my own coaching business about 10 years ago now. And when you were a consultant and in your previous life, what, what was the kind of writing that you did, if at all? So yeah, so it started off technical writing, sort of technical specs for, for coding and for programming. It was very binary. There was a way of being it right and wrong. And then in the consulting was more sort of management consulting, business kind of business writing. And that was more um, kind of executive summaries and hypotheses and lots of data and charts and words around the data and charts. So pretty dry, to be, to be honest. Um, but also stories weren't welcome. You know? Colorful language wasn't welcome. It had to be so quite dry and to the point. Uh, to prove to to make a case for for investment or a, a change in strategy or something like that. And what did you find when you made the switch to running your own business in terms of marketing and copywriting? I gotta say, marketing and copywriting was a bit of a black box for me because I'd always worked in large corporates. There was always a marketing department that this did some stuff, you know, <laughs> like they <laughs> they produced a website and it had our services on it and just looked like everything everyone else's you know pretty dull and dry and whatever right so when I started 10 years ago I knew I I needed a website because I was like my little shop front to tell people what I did but I didn't really understand how to craft any of that in fact my my first website no longer exists which is probably a a blessing in disguise (sighs) Uh, I can't remember how bad the copy actually was but it wasn't until I sort of rebooted uh, in the middle of the pandemic, and I started a, another another version of my company. I was building a digital model, and and had this was on this quiz course. Did a sort of a exchange with someone who I looked at her quiz results, and she offered me some of her services. She said, "Well, you know, I'm a copywriter. I can look at your quiz results. Copy." I'm like, "Yeah, whatever." And they came back, and I'm like, "Oh, so that's what copywriting's about." <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> It's not some marketing BS, like shit. Like she made it way, way better to read, like more interesting. More, like it felt like it was more me, but it, but more valuable at the same time. So I've got. I have to admit, I was 
many years into my career before I realized the value of copywriting. I just thought it was just words, honest, honestly. I, I did not appreciate it at all. Yeah. And now what do you think about it? I mean, I can see that she demonstrated her expertise and what she did, but you write your own copy. And I know that, you know, there are a lot of things in your business that you have outsourced, like the tech things, for instance, I outsource as much of that as I can as well. Why do you still write your own copy? Probably a few reasons. Firstly, I have a principle of not outsourcing stuff I don't know. And this goes back to my consulting. We would tell our clients the same thing. Like, don't outsource a problem. Don't outsource something you don't understand how it works. Because then you're never going to know whether what you get back is any of any good or of any value, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, it was like, oh, now that I get the value of copywriting, like I need to have some understanding, not not an expert, but I need to have some understanding how it's done. So for the short term, as long as I'm not the bottleneck in the business around copy, I think I want to I want to maintain it. And I think the second reason for me is because I'm 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 kind of new in this new iteration of my business, a very sort of digital model. I'm sort of learning how I think when I write to still finding my voice. And I find like having to write the weekly email letter or having to write the sales page forces me in a good way to go, well, what are the pain points I'm trying to address? Who is the person I'm trying to talk to? You know, who is the ideal client that I have in mind? You know, I mean, you've asked me some great questions that I couldn't answer around my ideal client, but it's only through copy. I think you can create a content and you can create a program without being that clear. But I think doing your own copy helps you forces you to be very clear on that, which I think is great. You said two things that I want to just reiterate and follow up on. One is that you learn what you think as you write. And mm. I, I think that's so true. And I think that's true in every sphere of our life, not just in business. It's the reason why people keep daily diaries or journals, right? You process your thoughts and your feelings and your experiences by writing about them and forces you to slow down and and put words to them in a way that you may not have otherwise. And the other thing that you said was your your principle of not outsourcing something that you don't understand. And I think that's super smart and also sounds very noble. But what what would you say to the person who just says, but Catherine, I'm I suck at this. I don't know what I'm doing. Why should I be, you know, force myself to do something that is not in my zone, that is completely outside my wheelhouse instead of just outsourcing it? What is the value that you have derived from learning how to do it yourself? What would you say to that person? My challenge to that person would be, so if you outsource that and you got the copy back, how would you know it was any good? Hmm. And I get it. Like if it's not your, if it's not your warehouse, if it's not your zone of genius, you, you really shouldn't be doing it. But I think you should have some basic understanding of, of why it works or how it works. So when it comes back, when the copy comes back to you, you're like, oh, there you go. That, those, she's, you know, that copywriter is helping me underline, you know, copywriter hired like charity is helping me underline the, the pain points here. I get, I get what that's about. And here's the close. I get, yeah, I get that way. That's the hook. I get that, you know. Because otherwise, you know, you look at me who I you look at me in my corporate world, I would have signed off on anything because I didn't see any value in it. Mm. And then that's my brand out there that's being that's not being not representing me in the way it could. I'm I'm a bit of an overachiever, so I don't think you have to do the courses that like I've done on, <laughs> on copywriting. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a little bit of reading up and a little bit of basically, you know, if you really really hate it some understanding is going to serve you as a business and that's the case if you run your own business 
as a sort of small entrepreneur, you have to know a whole bunch of things. You don't have to know it in depth, but you have to have some sense. It's like finances. Like you, you may, I mean, I, I, I hate finances. It just bores me. Excel spreadsheets make my eyes kind of roll the back of my head. But I have to understand enough about cash flow and financial management to not get myself in a pickle. And when my accountant gives me feedback, I've got to say, mm, really? It's not my understanding. Help me under, help me break that down. And I think copywriting is just another aspect, like a really important aspect of the business where you have to have some sense of what's what's good, what's not good. And when you're being, can we swear on this podcast? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> when we're being bullshitted, it's like, you know, when you start working with someone else as a freelancer for your business, you don't really understand their level of skills. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can test that, but yeah, you don't want the wool pull over your eyes just because you're ignorant. No, that's a great response. And you said something else in that, that I think is an important factor to consider when you're, you know, outsourcing your copy to somebody else to write, which is when you were when you were back in corporate, you would have signed off on anything because you didn't realize that it was important to pay attention to it. And that's your brand out there. Yeah. And it's important to have control over that, to have for it to represent you, actually. That's how I would say it. Not necessarily just the control, but that it represents you. And I, you know, I'm on Catherine's email list and I see her weekly emails and they're so full of her personality. And she tells, you know, a lot of stories in them, really wonderful stories. And when I'm reading her emails, I think, oh, that's the cat I know, you know, because I know, I know Catherine outside of of her being on her email newsletter. I think that's so important when you're working with a service-based business or a coach or anybody with whom, you know, you're interacting with a person, it's, it's, to me feels even more important than interacting with the brand's products that you have a sense of who that human is. Um, mm, I think it's how you build the sort of no like and trust factor, right? It's and that personal brand is so much more important. I mean that that's part of my asset, it's part of your asset. Is your personal brand and how people perceive you. My old my old corporate organizations would have talked about brand as well, but I think it is so distanced from any meaning that I had as an employee. Like I didn't not that I didn't care, but I just had no emotional connection with it. Um, mm. And I think that's another question, like outsourcing it. I think you can out, there's certain things you can outsource. And maybe the weekly emails, it's hard for me to see why I would ever outsource that. Because they're my stories, my garlic dating story or something daft like that, right? It's like, it's my story to tell. If it comes to sales copy or website, then maybe it, maybe you could co- you could collaborate anything's possible maybe I, i'd be open to collaborating it maybe doing the first draft and doing iterations uh which is kind of how, we, how you and i've worked right mm-hmm. uh, you know, large the content is largely mine and then you're and then you're bringing in the richness of your copywriting experience on top of that there was i, I listened to someone some pod, a copywriter called justin blackman who specializes in creating brand voice guidelines like brand guidelines for copywriting. I mean, I don't even I know that's a I know you can have brand voice for like design and font and color, but I didn't know there was something for something for copywriting. He's doing it for larger names, right? Like Amy Porterfield or something like that. Um I I, I thought about when I it sounds really interesting and I thought about what would he get if he went through all my stuff. And I I'm not sure he'd get something clear out of me. Because I think I'm still in development. 
Hmm. I'm still working on my ICA. You know, before we hit record, we were talking about, oh, I've got kind of two ICAs I'm kind of un- unraveling, working with, getting to know better. I feel like it's my responsibility to get on top of that before I outsource that to someone else. Because you've got to be really clear on that. Mm. I see a meaning ideal client avatar. You just came off a launch uh, for a digital course recently. What were the kinds of things that you had to prepare before you could start writing? And so just so everybody knows, Catherine wrote all the copy for her launch, a monstrous amount of copy. I don't (laughs) even know how many emails it was. And I worked with her to edit it, but also to give her like macro level feedback on the campaign and, you know, line by line email edits. So what, what did you need to do before you started writing a single word? How did you prepare for your launch? Oh my God, that feels like you're asking me something about a thousand years ago. And it was only like <laughs> three months or something. That's a sign of what a launch does to you. Um, what did I need to know who my ideal client was. In specificity, I remember one of the beautiful challenges you gave me was like, don't, I'm going to get, I'm going to get your language wrong, but don't tell me who your ICA is. Like paint the problems for them, um, mm-hmm. the ideal client. So it's, it's sort of get into the granularity of it. So I, you know, I'm one of my target clients is the mid-career professionals wanting to get out of a career rut. And you kept saying to me, but what is their life like? You're like they get up in the morning and then what are they experiencing? And you're like, oh, okay. So one of the things I've learned is is you is to be clear to that level of granularity on their on their human experience. Mm. To have that clear because the copy can come out of that. You can find stories to to talk to those points. You can understand the journey they need to go on to see your solution or your offer as as maybe of interest to them. So I would do more work around that granular experience of your ideal client understand in in doing that you get clear on the pain points and then matching the pain points to the product whatever or service whatever is you're 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 offering i fell for the classic trap of you know features and benefits rather than outcomes Um, Mm and so eight-week group coaching program with me yay (laughs) (laughs) ideal clients like yeah and like what do i get from that you know what I was wanting them to get was a confidence and excitement of what, what came next for them in their career. Like I went backwards and forwards on, on getting excited because of course it's my program, six modules and a hundred videos and workbooks. And like, no one gives a shit because <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's just the container for the experience you're trying to create for them. So the second thing I would get clearer on, you know, starting again would be, what are the outcomes you're trying to help them understand that you could achieve in this, not the benefits and features that are just happen to be there as the, to create the container. Mm. The other thing is the other thing that I think helps is to, and if, if, particularly for a launch is to know, like I created an Excel spreadsheet that I, that I shared with you just to say there are, you know, I did a masterclass for those of people who are, that's their approach. So you have X number five emails to run up to the masterclass. Then you have the reminder emails. Then you have the, launch emails then you have the post sign up emails so to categorize all of those and go these are the I think it was something like 30 emails (laughs) these are the 30 emails I have to write in these categories achieving and this was your guidance achieving this outcome it's not just call to action but like what what am I what do I want them to feel after they've read this that you know do they learn something more or have they moved a bit further down the, the buying process um 
And when you can, for me anyway, maybe it's my consulting background, when I had that all laid out, you're like, okay, now I understand the, the, the size of the work ahead of me. Now I can break that down into, you know, what I see other people doing in groups that I hang out in is sort of write the emails for the masterclass, run the masterclass, then go, oh, hang, now I've got to write the promo emails, which I think is just being unkind to yourself. Because once the launch starts, I think you really want everything up. You want everything in place where you just hit the, you know, where it's all automated and it's going out to the degree that that's possible. Um, and then tracking it, like, you know, I had the little Excel spreadsheet and like a track, oh, today's email is email Y and it's going out and this is what I'm hoping to achieve or see off the back of that email. You sort of stole my follow-up question, which was, what did you learn over the process of, of writing that monstrous amount of copy for your launch? And I think you addressed that quite neatly in your answer. Well, I'll build on that as well. It's like when you're in the launch, it's very hard to see the wood for the trees. Mm. Like you think you're doing it. I mean, I think I think the first draft of emails I sent to you, I thought were pretty good. And your comments came back. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, oh. I mean, you had great feedback and great, like at a meta level, like, oh, yeah, you know, stuff's too long. You're taking too long to get to the point. You're like, oh, damn, I am. Damn. Um, whatever kind of copywriting you support you get, I think you need someone else to look at the copy because there is so much. And after a while, you're like, I can't think of another email to write. I can't think of another story. Like, do I have to say the benefits again or the outcomes again? And, and you know, your copywriting freelancer buddy is going to say yes or no you know if you're launching in the digital world via largely via email it's it's hard to do that alone I think you need company so that would be my final add to that point Mm. yeah I think having a second opinion even if it's not a professional opinion but having Mm -hmm. a second opinion a second set of fresh pair of eyes honestly really helps because after some time everything just kind of blows together it sure does. <laughs> so let me broaden that a bit. You you mentioned that, you know, you had taken some courses. Uh, one was the one that uh, where we both met, um, which was Tarzan K's Email Stars program last year. Were there any other sort of courses or um, learnings that you enrolled in for uh, marketing and copywriting purposes? Tarzan's the only complete course that I did. I did look at um, Joanna Weber's site. She's got a lot of free stuff on there as well. She used to do like Tuesday tips or something like that, which I enjoyed, but I wanted a sort of structured program that Tar- like Tarzan was offering to kind of take me through in, in some sort of you know, held container. I, I do better learning that way. I think the other way of learning is, you know, if you don't want to spend money on a program is to sign up to people's emails as a, as a learning experience. So to be on you know, people's emails list, use products you might never buy because they're competitors to you, or maybe they're a copywriter. You're, you know, you're never going to buy their stuff. But but you're, or maybe it's Amy Porterfield or whoever you admire in your sector. And then you you start to learn different styles of how people write, of how they use storytelling, of how they run a launch, and how you as the person on their on their list experience that. So for example. Um, Tarzan K does a fantastic job of sharing like really vulnerable stories um, about her life and current stuff that she's going through. And I, and I, I felt very inspired in doing that. And so I've done something similar. I've modeled some of my emails on, on a degree of vulnerability that I perhaps wouldn't have gone to, but having 
received her email and gone, wow, that really worked for me. I like how she shows up. I like the integrity and the vulnerability in that. I can do something like that. So it's sort of a, it's a way of inspiring yourself and kind of keeping yourself fresh. And then and on the other side, so I've, I've been on people's launches where they use a lot of countdown timers and sort of pressure techniques. And I hate that. That's a personal preference. You get to, you get to run your business how you want to run it. But I don't want to have people on my list to have that experience. So I'm not going to use countdown timers unless it's on like the last three hours of the launch. But I wouldn't have known that had I not been on the receiving end of that. So, yeah, so, you know, have five to ten people's lists that you're subscribed to just as a learning experience. I think that is such a great and valuable tip. I mean, I have a folder in my inbox called good emails. <laughs> and then I have various subfolders. So like good emails for launches and good emails for how to's or good emails for quick tips. And we learn by you know, one of the ways we learn is by imitating or by seeing how other people do their copy and their marketing and you get ideas. And I'm, you know, neither Kat nor I are saying that you should plagiarize, but um, you get ideas that you may not have gotten otherwise when you see how somebody else does it. In fact, when you do copy, because I think I copy one of your intro emails. One of my intro emails? Yeah. Well, you had an email saying, that I, I received and I just loved it. it was like, hey, if we haven't met, you knew on my email list, we probably haven't met. Here's some things about me, you know, like fun, interesting facts. And they're like, and tell me about you. And I'm like, oh God, I love that. But but when I, I so I copied it quite, um, I mean, we can talk about plagiarizing, but I asked you if I remember correctly, I did ask you. Yes, you did. <laughs> if it was okay to use that. So, you know, acknowledge your sources. I think we stand on the shoulders of other people, right? of our teachers, of our mentors, or whatever they are. So I think acknowledging people, and I think I even acknowledged you at the bottom of the email, um, and I asked for permission. So I think I think there's a there's a lot of room for for copying with respect <laughs> in doing that. And I love your idea of having folders. That's I'm I'm, I'm going to do that as well. Be more intentional about saving the different styles. I'm a bit more organic. I like your structure in that. Yeah. You know, having folders where you save things and that are appropriately titled when you, you know, for instance, when you were sitting down to write your copy and when you were running out of stories, that might have been a time to refer back to your folder of other people's launch emails and to say, oh, this is how they led into the benefits for the 10th time. You know, maybe this is what I can do. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm going to ask you about something that maybe you hadn't expected to talk about in this interview, which is. You're out of office emails. <laughs> Kat has written a blog post about this. She's talked about this in various places. That's way before you started thinking about marketing and copy for your own business, right? That was for when you had a day job. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about these out of office emails and just what you learned from them? It doesn't go back to my corporate days. It doesn't go back as far as 10 years. So part of my recovering from corporate life in the early days of my business was was doing things that that I felt that wouldn't have been approved in the corporate life. So writing crazy out of office emails would probably have got you told off, if not in more trouble than that. So it was a way of expressing my individuality, I think. I can't remember that when I first started doing it, but it, it probably started out quite tame and the and the more time goes by, the more outrageous I get. Uh, and then when it came to sort of writing about it as in the blog, I'm like, how do I like I just intuitively got there was something fun in this because people who know me well will email me knowing I'm out or out of the office. 
and their email will be, just want to see where your art of office is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't want anything from you. Just want to know where your art of office is this time around. The message. Can you give us an example? I think I have a Christmas break. I think I listed all the festive holidays in December that I was celebrating, like shortest day. And it was some nonsense like that. Or I, I often, I, I, I do, in Easter time, I often go down the Easter bunny chasing the tooth fairy, some story about that. Or one time I talked about somebody's dog, you know, be more like my friend's dog, Ned, who takes long naps. <laughs> I can't remember the details. It's probably on a blog post somewhere. Maybe you could put those in the show notes for people if they're interested. But uh, I think it's an interesting way of creating. I mean, first of all, it started off as a, as a, as a test to see how, how much of me could I be and the world not kick back. The good news is I haven't found a limit of that yet. In fact, the more more me I am, the more positive feedback I get. I've now evolved the thinking to think out of office is a way of creating engagement with people. I mean, you can be playful and fun. You could point them to your freebies or your website. You could give them a fun fact. You could be silly. I mean, I wish most out of office don't allow you to have embedded objects, so like gifts or anything like that, which is a great pity. But I think there's I think there's ways in which you can continue like developing or showing your brand for who it is. You know, I'm I'm a big believer in boundaries and taking my time off to take care of myself. And so that's part of what part of the, the dig usually in, in my out of office is something like, I won't be answering your emails at all. See you on the other side, you know? Which is so contrary to the corporate ones, which is I, you know, I'm I'm out of the office, and my response may be slow, whilst because I'm away or something like that. Mm. <laughs> just, you know, so it's it's so countercultural almost. And most out of office office messages are like super boring, and I'm like, why not take the opportunity to to entertain someone? That's my approach. I think there are other other approaches you can take, uh, but I think it's it could be a fun tool to use in the business. So first, we'll definitely link to Kat's blog post about her. Um about her office emails, because it's so fun. I think what's really interesting about yours is that you put your personality in a place that no one expects it, right? The out of office is supposed to be just bare bones facts. Mm. These are the dates I will be gone. <laughs> like that's the point of the out of office email. Yeah. <laughs> and you, by injecting some humor in it, giving people a chuckle, you are in fact sparking engagement, which if you think about it, it's the exact opposite of what an out-of-office email is supposed to be. An out-of-office email, out email is, don't engage with me. I am not here to respond to you. Um, but in fact, yours do prompt engagement, and I can see why. Thank you. So let's dial back to when you were first writing your own copy, when you were actually thinking about it as copy and not just words. What intimidated you, and how did you get over it are you over it do you feel like now you're a confident writer yeah I think if you if you're going to embrace your copywriter side as a as a sort of entrepreneur a small business owner I think you have to face your stories and assumptions you have about yourself as a storyteller and I had to face some of those in the early days of like who's you know who's going to be interested in my story does it matter how do I make the story about learning how to do pottery linked to my career rut course. Like, how do I make that bridge uh, and not sound totally naff? Like many of us, I think, you're traumatized as a child by some 
teacher who told me my stories were overly imaginative and I needed to dial it down. So when you're one experience of the world going, your stories aren't valuable, Catherine. We don't give a shit about them. And you're too colorful and too noisy and get back in your box. You know, so that was a very painful lesson to learn as a child. And then, of course, you need to spend 20 years in computer science, the tech field. So there's no place for stories. So I felt, felt like I had this sort of coming out moment in copywriting of like very tentative and could I tell those story? And did I, and overthinking things like I probably spent like an, two hours for like one weekly email where now I write them like 30 minutes. Because again, writing for the last 20 years pre, pre this had so much weight to it. You know, you were being paid by the word. Uh, so both it had to be voluminous and correct, you know. Well, I think copywriting is not about being correct. It's about, it's an invitation into a relationship. It's an invitation into connecting through a story, you know, to be, to be human with each other. So I had to let go all of that. And I hadn't, again, until you asked me this question, I hadn't really thought about how much I had to let go to step into it. So, you know, I think we have to acknowledge the path the path we have to go down to get to feeling competent about something that has never been even on our radar that we have to be doing as an entrepreneur. Um, so it's a, so it's a much a mindset shift as a, as a technical skill, I think. I just want to, I'm so annoyed and angry. Actually, I'm angry that you had that experience as a child and mm. that you had somebody, a teacher no less, tell you that you mm. had to tone down your imagination. And that is so often the, you know, the, the, the hurdle that I find when working with adults, you know, who I'm coaching on their copy is that they have all heard some version of the same thing or life has taught them that they have to only deal with, you know, dry, hard facts and, and, and jargon. And they, they have their creativity stepped on. And that is just so infuriating because the world needs more creativity. Mm. Um, even when you're being factual, by the way, um, Yes, I think they can. Yeah, you're right. They can coexist, right? But yeah, I think I think part of the journey is a healing journey of like I'm, I'm okay with all my stories, however weird and left field they are. Yeah, I have. I've always had this habit of or ability, superpower even, to make really random links that other people are like, what? <laughs> and in my mind, it's like, well, it's like. It's, it's clearly obvious, you know, in storytelling or whatever. Part of that's the creative imagination. Mm. And part of copywriting has allowed me to, you know, I mean, I think you've spotted a few of those, like, well, Catherine, you're going to have to do a bit more work to make that bridge for me, <laughs> but we're okay with that story. You just a little bit more help. You're like, okay. So that sort of that healing journey of um, of allowing those parts that were squashed and told they weren't okay to come out and to try and you know, come and play. Yeah. You know? mm. uh, you know, so the whatever I was, eight or nine year olds, I seem to remember being about aliens or something, which wouldn't surprise me. My story. Aliens are fun. In a Catholic all girls school, I wonder if I crossed them, you know, an an unseen line in somebody's mind. Um <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's a partly healing journey and you've got to be kind with yourself. I said earlier about how we write we learn to write through our journals and that kind of stuff. It's just like allow yourself to unfurl through the copywriting and it's a beautiful experience i love that you said that and prompted by your childhood experience i'm going to issue an impromptu piece of homework do it or don't if 
you know, do it if it catches your fancy or don't. Nobody's checking up on you. See if you can find a way to all of those who are listening in your next email, in your next social media post, in your next blog post, whatever you're doing in your journal, even if you want, it doesn't have to be for public consumption. See if you can work aliens, a story about aliens into your copy. Um, I think that would be a fun challenge and see if, if you can challenge your creativity to come up with a link between aliens and whatever it is that you're writing about. So I have to say, I don't think you know this, Jadi, I have managed to weave in zombies and the apocalypse into an email. So, <laughs> so you already real... did your homework. <laughs> I did. I did. I can, I can share it with you if you want. <laughs> oh yeah, I have, I have a fascination with the apocalypse and zombies oh, that's another podcast um that's yeah, a great homework i think it's a good that's a good one well so before we sign off and this was such a great conversation kat um thank you so much for being so honest do you have any advice for other fellow business owners who are tackling their own marketing and copy who are feeling a bit intimidated who don't know where to start and like you are overthinking things. I mean, what you said about taking two hours in the beginning to write one weekly email, that is so much more common than you think. And um, I think a lot of people have trouble getting out of their own way and actually pushing what they have out into the world. Do you have any advice for them? The first thing comes to my mind, which is probably redundant because people are listening to you is, uh, you know, conversion copy is a thing <laughs> it's not a unicorn that's more said at my with my younger self than than us here now because we all know that right um what would i say i would say learn the basics of copywriting so you have a have enough of a sense have enough confidence to write whatever that whatever that level is for you yeah i was thinking about you talking about earlier about the the journaling i think there's there's a way of if, if typing if typing on an email, a weekly email, whatever the piece of copies you're trying to write is too much, start writing daily in a journal. Because I think that that this is a bit gross, but it's kind of like throat clearing. Mm-hmm. It gets the gunk out the way first. So I, I have a daily journal practice, which is, and it really does, I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't read it back myself because it just, it's so banal, right? But unless you get the banal stuff that's in your head out the way, the, the big the stuff that really wants to come through doesn't come through. So I, I would encourage some form of daily writing as a practice. And then just do, like, what's the one piece of copy that you feel you might be able to tackle? Like, maybe it's a sales page. Maybe it's a weekly email. Just do that, you know, for one piece at a time. Yeah, one piece at a time. That's what I would, and, and yeah, and follow, I would, we, we built on this, but I would also say follow copywriters like yourself to learn what good copy looks like. That is so sweet. So have it in your field, have it in your field so you can kind of, you know, absorb and through osmosis. That's great advice. Absorb through osmosis, follow other people in your field. Thank you so much, Catherine. This has been a lovely conversation. Where can people follow you? Where can people hire you as their executive coach? <laughs> well you can find me on on the gram um at stag macy and my website is conversations at the edge dun, 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 uh, .co.uk <laughs> i've got a bunch of freebies on there if, if it's um 
if you're in a career up, there's a there's a freebie for that. If you want to know your leadership style, there's a freebie there. And you can also sign up to my email if you want me in your inbox to inspire you with crazy stories about zombies and garlic. <laughs> you definitely want Kat in your inbox. I'll put all those links in the show notes and also Catherine's uh, LinkedIn, where she shares a ton of stuff. Ah, oh, yes, LinkedIn. Let's not forget that one. Yes. That's been a blast. Thanks for inviting me on, Diari. Thank you so much, Kat. I loved this conversation with Kat, and I thought there were so many useful things she shared today, from thinking of copywriting as much of a mindset shift as a technical skill, the value of knowing how to do it yourself rather than simply outsourcing it, the practical advice on being kind to yourself while doing your first launch, or really any launch, how to generate engagement in a surprising way, and so much more. I'll put all her links in the show notes so you can follow her, you can subscribe to her email, hire her if you've lost your mojo at work and need help being excited about the role again. Thanks so much for tuning in. And till I see you again next Thursday, let's all give a massive F you to all the narrow-minded people who told us to dial our stories down, curtail our imaginations, and be less colorful. Extra credit if you write something featuring aliens or zombies. Thank <laughs> you.